I come up to the blue carpet. I'm like, oh my God, like, can I high five people? I think I can. So I just went over and like gave everyone a high five and really tried to, you know, enjoy that moment because I wasn't sure when that moment would happen again. That was Taylor Spivey, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We've got a great show for you today, but first, the Yogi Triathlete Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, a life insurance agency that helps health-conscious people like yogis, runners, vegans, cyclists, and triathletes to get lower rates on their life insurance. Just like good drivers are rewarded with better rates, Health IQ does the same thing for yogi triathlete kind of people who are active participants in their health. We always say do the work for the sake of the work and not the reward. But that's not to say if someone wants to reward us that we walk in the opposite direction. So go to healthiq.com forward slash YTP to support the show and see if you qualify. All right, you guys, definitely check that out. I went through the qualification process the other day and it definitely got my competitive side engaged. And speaking of some healthy competition, we've got professional triathlete Taylor Spivey for you today. So welcome to the show. I'm Jess, your host, and this is episode 88 of the YTP. I just want to open with sending major love to all of the areas that are experiencing extreme weather, especially the intensity that has shown up in the Montecito, Santa Barbara area. There's really, really crazy stuff that's happening out there, you guys, and it's because Mother Earth is way out of balance. I've said it before, she will do what it takes to regain her balance, and we are seeing just what that takes. Transitioning to a plant-based diet is the single most effective move you can make for the health of the planet. Thank you to everyone who is making this shift and for everyone who has purchased the Yogi Triathlete cookbook to assist you in high vibe living, 34 whole food plant-based recipes and four chapters to support your vegan exploration. If you're loving the book, please leave a review on Amazon. And if you're loving the show, if it's assisting you in your sport in life, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This month, we'll be giving away three pairs of two times you compression run socks to three randomly picked reviewers. Thank you, Chad. And thank you, Andrea. We saw your awesome reviews up there. You guys, you rock. Born right here in Southern California, Taylor Spivey grew up in Rodondo Beach, daughter to two triathletes, her mom, a former professional and dad, a top age grouper. Taylor is said to have completed her first Ironman before she was even born. To say that she has the multi-sport gene is an understatement. She studied architecture at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo while competing as an NCAA division swimmer in distance freestyle. Her background as a lifeguard set her up to handle pressure in the water. During her time in slow, she got into triathlons, which led her to entering the USAT college recruitment program, which she credits as everything to her ability to follow her dream. Leaving architecture and lifeguarding behind, Taylor is officially all in with her career in triathlon. Training under the keen guidance of Paolo Souza and his triathlon squad, Taylor is here in Carlsbad prepping for what we know will be her biggest season yet. Coming off of 2017, she showed the world that she is podium worthy, like when she took second in Madrid at a World Cup race and second to the powerhouse that is Flora Duffy the following week at the uber competitive WTS Leeds race. But like so many athletes, Taylor admits her mental game needs improvement. And with that kind of bait, 
We dove right into the power of mindfulness and meditation on the mind of an athlete. We get a glimpse into her nutrition and how she continues to navigate foreign lands and cuisines. And we touch upon her Super League racing experience from this past season, which left her with unfinished business. She also gives us an inside peek into her professional training on our podcast Extra, which we will be putting up on our Patreon page this week. If you are a supporter or thinking about becoming one, we have over 40 exclusive sneak peeks and extras for you, along with a building catalog of yoga classes and strength workouts. More coming this week, we promise. We hope you enjoy today's show, and please don't be fooled by her sweet voice. This girl can put the throttle down, and with her mental game on point, we're sure that she will continue to become quite familiar with that podium. So without further ado, I give you professional triathlete Taylor Kick-Ass Spivey. I subscribe to, I think, the year before the Olympics back east when I'm training in the basement and it's cold out. And yeah. I just kept watching the stuff over and over again and over again. You would always catch me, like, when the races start, I'll go into the bathroom at like 2 in the morning, wake up and watch them oh, really? live. You're like a yeah. diehard fan. I'm diehard, yeah. <laughs> um, but I love the, I just love everything about the sport. And so I think Eric was the first person we, we reached out to. Well, we had interviewed Ben. When we were in Arizona. Oh, cool. We yeah. were in Arizona. Awesome. This was right after Rio. We interviewed Ben. And then... Barry. I remember just from... Yeah, and then Barry Siff, USAT president. He's all... You probably know who Barry yeah, yeah, is, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he actually he was yeah, mentioning, he mentioned your name you. in our interview with him, either before or after we put the mics on. And then I remember just in... Like researching Ben and you know checking on his site and everything, I got I got like hooked on Eric's videos, and I was yeah, like, yeah. this guy's super cool. I like him. And I knew, at the time, we weren't living in California, but we were moving out here, and I was like, all right, this guy's cool. Like I like what he does. <laughs> and I had caught his first video the day after the Olympic trials. Okay. That was the first one I watched, and it was just like really raw. And I loved like how vulnerable he was, and then I loved how he was like bringing like this this different angle of his love to the sport yeah and so how did i mean i don't even he does a good job eric's like the epitome of cool i think (laughs) he's super cool super nice i love him like and he has something else going on outside of the sport which i yeah like really appreciate and he's bringing more to the sport because of it Mm And he's super creative, and uh, this is like the Eric Lagerstrom podcast <laughs> part two. Yeah. Um, but I, like, he he's left that cool. night, and I was like, I love him. Like, I yeah. love that guy. He has like an old soul to it. He does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's what was like flooring me in our interview with him because I was like, dude, you're doing like high level yogi spiritual training when you're, you know, about to jump into the water. So, right. Like when the boom, boom. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right, look, we gotta we gotta back up. Let's <laughs> but when you wait, but you when you pick you pick up on that, right? Like, do you just do you just like you just need to soak that up? Yeah, that's I'm, goodness. Yeah, Eric Eric's been in the tra- uh, in the squad for a really long time, but the majority of the group is pretty new, and I think you know everyone brings something different to the table in the group, um, whether it's you know via training and exercising or like something outside of of training 
And it's, it's an interesting mix of people, but we, we all get along really well. What do you think you bring to the group? <laughs> I, knew I know. You were gonna... I know. <laughs> I'm so know. awful. What do you, what do you bring to the group? God, I don't know. I think I'm, you know, a little bit outgoing and, and fun. And I like to go on adventure bike rides and not necessarily do the same thing all the time. And um, yeah, I think I just bring a little bit more fun to the group. Do you kind of rally, <laughs> rally people and you're like, come on, let's do this. Yeah, there yeah. are a few of us that like to go off on, on adventure rides. That's what I call them when we have a, when it's not like a, a hill rep day or, or a high intensity day. We just go explore secret roads in foreign countries and, and sightsee, but we're still doing our job. And, and I think that's what I enjoy most about our training. Yeah. It's amazing. You're just, you're seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think of like, you're here in Carlsbad, but think about all those races. What seven, I mean, you're in Spain. <laughs> yeah. I can't even keep track now. Uh, but it's all yeah. over the place. Canada, Australia. Did you go to Gold Coast? Yeah. I went to Gold Coast. Abu Dhabi. Um, no, that's my first race this okay. year. Oh, it is. Yeah. I'm Which really excited. In um, April? Early March. March. I think okay. it's March 4th. And is it Olympic or it's sprint this it's year? Sprint. Okay. But it might change. Who knows? <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best way to do this sport and, you know, prolong it is to find joy in it. And I do that by, you know, if it's, if it's not a hard day going on, on an adventure run <laughs> or an right, adventure bike not- ride and exploring these, these cool foreign places that we get to go to, but still putting in the work and you know, the time and the miles that we need to do. Right. And I think that's the key, right? Like, like not worrying about if for a day or two, you went off and went on an adventure that you're, you're missing out on training. Like somebody else is doing something else. It's the whole picture. Like you can't hit it hard every day and be focused every day and get, you'll get burnt out. So adding that fun element, I think probably helps everyone on the team. Yeah, yeah. For those of us that do go on these rides, <laughs> some people are very regimented, but you know, I respect that. Mm-hmm. Everyone does their own thing and you do what works for you. But if I didn't do this, I'd probably go a little crazy. <laughs> because so. you're all in. This is what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. And when did you when did you go all in? Um so about 2 years ago, I joined the CRP, which is the Collegiate Recruitment Program. Um, And I kind of went about it a different way than most people. I had done the sport a little bit before. um, And most people typically start the sport in that program. So I think that gave me a greater appreciation for the sport and made me work a little bit harder because... I think oftentimes when you're handed something right off the Mm -hmm. bat, you take it for granted. Um, And that was my first exposure to like being full on. And I'd never committed to anything like full on before. I always kind of, you know, I like to do a lot of things and (laughs) like be really good at a lot of things. And sometimes that's not the best way to be really good at something. It wasn't until this year that I joined Paulo's group that I really saw my true potential, and it honestly surprised me. When did you when did you join them? In like first of the year? Uh, yeah, okay. the 
the beginning of the season last year. Okay. So I've been with him for one full year. So the full uh, World Triathlon Series, you were there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's back up and just see what your background is. What, 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 what were your strengths? What, what were you doing? What were you doing in Redondo Beach? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I think, well, my mom and my dad met doing triathlon. My mom was a former professional triathlete, and my dad was a really good triathlete. I think I was just, you know, given this athletic bug, like, from their genes. My mom says I, I did my first triathlon. My first Iron Man before I was born. So nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was pregnant with you when she didn't when she did an Iron, Iron Man. Man. That's so cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So my parents are a little crazy like me. Yeah, my mom is like a diehard swimmer. She she loves swimming so much and now she teaches swim kids in her backyard and she's done that since I was, you know, born. And I think that's what what I started doing was swimming. So I think I could swim before I could walk or <laughs> do anything. So you were swimming really, really early. Really early. As you were growing up, were you a competitive swimmer? Were you in like training and high school and things like that? Yeah, when I was younger, I was I was on a club team, but I kind of I kind of hated it. So I I quit for I don't know, I wanna say most of middle school and high school. And I didn't start swimming again until I walked onto my college swim team. Throughout the summer, I'd always do this thing called junior lifeguards, which is pretty familiar to everyone in, you know, the beach cities. I think that's why I still loved being active and, you know, I never lost touch with swimming, even though I stopped doing club swimming and things like that. It was probably good like that you took a break because I know a lot of swimmers get burnt out when they start young and they just go and mm-hmm. then by the college they're just like, I'm done. Yeah, like, yeah. I used to work uh, as a massage therapist in Boulder and I used to work with a lot of, had a lot of clients who were swimmers that, that seemed like they just got so burnt out that they were teaching because they still loved it. You know, they were coaching, I should say, because they still loved it, but they were just so burnt in their own body and their mind that they just, they were done after college. That was it. Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of swimmers. I could definitely see that in college. Most wouldn't last after maybe two years. Is swimming training so intense because it's almost like you can do so much more? I think that's part of it. And I think you just, you're just staring at a black line the whole time sometimes. And you're working so hard, but you're also in your head the whole time. And maybe that wears people down after Mm. so many years. Because it's not like a group ride when you're out on your adventure rides where you're like talking to people, you're like staring at the black line. Yeah, nobody's I mean, talking to you. We can we can have like three second conversations on the wall or play a game, <laughs> <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah, and I think that that definitely wears on swimmers a bit. Mm-hmm. But and I'm I'm fortunate to you know have taken that break, and I think that's why I still have this competitive drive, and I still want to pursue athletics. Were you a lifeguard yourself? So my junior lifeguard experience translated into me becoming a lifeguard, okay. which is pretty cool because a lot of people just like, I guess parents force their kids to do it because then they feel safer bringing their kids to the beach. And I think it's a very valuable program. But yeah, I'm one of the few that actually became a lifeguard. I'm actually no longer a lifeguard as of 
2018. Expi- did your license expire? Or? <laughs> I couldn't quite get all of my days in this this last oh, okay. year because of how much I was traveling for a triathlon. I'm still part of the community, and it's it's such a great family. I don't think I'll ever lose that. Yeah, and things have to fall away when you go all in. Things have to fall away, and I know. that's BJ and I have experienced that as well. Like, you see, there's only one bike behind you. Like, I just sold my <laughs> tri bike, and because. That's starting to fall away because I'm spending so much more time working with athletes like on the mind piece and, you know, meditation and mindfulness and I'm writing more and just wrote a a book and working on a second one. And it's like, I want to share what I've learned. I want to share the wisdom from all the hours that I've been out there training and racing and sitting on the meditation cushion and rolling out the yoga mat. Like it's now it's time for me to share that. And so something had to give. And so that's just what give, but I'm still, I mean, I'm still, I'm running. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're like still low, running. You're, I mean, I'm still training for, you're still really fit, but I, I mean, <laughs> thank you. Wow. Hmm. It's the loose tank top. It looks uh, <laughs> and I just went to a killer yoga class. Thank you, BJ. Oh, yeah. You just taught a killer class down in Encinitas. It was awesome. But no, I'm getting into ultra marathons. Well, I'm not oh, getting cool. into. I'm training for my second one. Yeah. So fun. Up in Mendocino. After like lugging right? around my bike and my bike shoes, yeah. my helmet, and all that for so many years, I'm like, oh my god, this is so nice to just like a little show less up to carry and, around. Yeah, and there's like P and Js and chips and like <laughs> it's just it's so low key. Yeah, I love the low keyness. It's good of to it. change it up and yeah, I think it's important to you know, cut back as much as it sucks to let Mm -hmm. go of things. This is something actually, I'm glad you said that because it's something I was thinking about, you know, as a professional athlete, what have you learned about letting go? I think it's been like a very hard process for me because like I said before, I like to do a lot of things and I want to be good at a lot of things, but to be good at something you have to cut back. And, and that's the hardest part, like is to just cut back and simplify and I can kind of relate this to how, like something I learned in design school too. It's like the best design is like when you can't take anything else away. It's not when you keep adding things to it. I don't know if I articulated that very well. No, you did. And you're I'm thinking about like, I just, um, this, this article that I wrote is just being published on, on a, on a blog. Mm-hmm. It's like 2,300 words. And she's like, I need it to be 750. <laughs> and BJ's like that, like your reaction was like, that's going to butcher it. I'm like, that's going to refine it. Yeah. Like that's, that just makes you, when you, cause I, cause I bet it could be even more potent at 750 words than 2,300 words. Like you have to Get more to the point. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you see how simple we live. It's so nice to, to strip away what you really know lo- that no longer serves you so that you can shift your focus to where you want it to go. And for us, it's Yogi triathlete for, you know, it's, it's my running, it's BJ's triathlon, it's doing this podcast, it's connecting with awesome people like you. And and I think you just keep keep questioning like what it is that you can kind of shed and being okay with things falling away. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part oh, is it's... being okay with it because you want to hold on to all of these things, but letting go is the hardest part. And... Detachment is is huge from a yogi standpoint. It's the biggest thing that we have to learn. Mm-hmm. As people come in and out of our lives, as babies are born and people we love fall away or you know they leave this world and we suffer because we're, it's attachment. Mm-hmm. And so it's refining that design. It's every time you feel that 
that pain of letting go, whether it was like me getting rid of photographs or like love letters that BJ threw all your love letters out, by the way, oh, when, we, when we moved. I kept one, actually. I kept one. <laughs> you used to write me a lot. Right. Letting those fall away. And every time that we're able to do that in a way where we walk away and we still feel we're, we still are able to regain our fullness all of that counts towards the big things in life because life is going to ask you to detach from things in a huge way over time. Yeah. You know? And so there's no, no effort, as we say on this path, like no effort is waste. And it's the same thing with your training, like going out and, and doing the work. It's like no effort is waste. Yeah. So like when I lost, you know, my, my lifeguard job, I guess you can call it, <laughs> like a part of me was really sad, but I also saw it as an opportunity to just like entirely focus and not have this fallback plan or I still have this, this community and this network of people that I love and that are passionate about like this beachy active lifestyle that I can hang out with when I go home. But I, I don't need to like fulfill these obligations of like, Oh, I need to, you know, get this many tower days in. I need to go do this lifeguard recertification. Now I can just, focus on, on triathlon. And that's what I'm doing right now at what this if, time in my life. I think the fallback plan is dangerous. The fallback <laughs> mm-hmm. plan is gives like, you an out. It gives you that little, yeah, little out. it's like marinated in self-sabotage, like yeah. the fallback plan, like, Oh, well I can always do this. And we've both been guilty of it too. Absolutely, like, yeah. Oh, well I'm just going to keep this here because it's like, I know that I've got something if this blows up in my face, but in order to go all in, you got to go all in. Yeah. You got to go all in. It's scary. <laughs> it's so scary. So what does scary look like for you? Like what, when you say that, like it's scary. So this is, yeah, like you're all in for 2018. It's pretty terrifying, especially, especially because, you know, the U.S. women are so incredibly Stacked. strong. Like <laughs> what are the odds I'm going to make the Olympic team? Like I mean, I have a lot of self-doubt, and so... Um, but that, that could also mean they have a lot of self-doubt, too. Yeah, I'm sure everyone has self-doubt, yes. but, yeah. you know, I guess we're, we're our own biggest critic, and I see myself as the underdog all the time. They all, you know, they're all former collegiate runners. They're, they're great at what, uh, you know, it takes to win the race, but what am I great at? That's, the, that's a process you're going to, as you go along, like... <laughs> And you have these two results from last year, right? And those are signs, right? Those are little signs that say, like, okay, oh, Taylor. Man, I'm capable of right, this. Wow. Right, right. Yeah, you <laughs> but, can hold those girls off on the run. But it's like, if you're capable of that now, what more are you capable of with next just, year? With like, just a little more time and a few more miles. Exactly, and exactly. Like yeah. and, and they're thinking the same thing. So there's no rest. There's no resting, right? We need mm-hmm. to just continually search forward. And as confidence builds, these, because I've done a lot with, doubt like i've worked through a lot of stuff <laughs> and, like I, a PhD in doubt. and i still have it <laughs> every day in my meditation it's like nullify the doubt nullify the doubt i can't tell you how many times i've said that in a race or in, a, in my meditation or throughout the day but it's like you got to get this out mm-hmm. because if it starts to stir around it starts to create the story and you start to believe it like maybe i'm not yeah i'm not but you see these signs in these races and in workouts and you see these little signs and that's what you need to capitalize on is these just little wins and Mm -hmm. little wins here little wins there and when you have we talk about unwavering faith and belief in yourself like no doubt Mm -hmm. no backup plan (laughs) 
that is when true greatness is going to come out. Yeah. You have to rise to the occasion. You have to rise. Yeah. But you, but you will, right? <laughs> uh-huh. You will. You're going to do it. Yeah. I so. mean, I did it this year. Shoot. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to jump into Let's the jump. race. Let's jump into that race. That was the Leeds race. The Leeds race. Oh boy. Amazing. So you came in second in that race. To Flora Duffy. To Flora Duffy. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. You were out of the water. Mm-hmm. You were on the tails of Flora, I think, right? You guys were all bunched yeah, together. Yeah, we were, we were in a breakaway pack. And yep. um, yeah, going into the race, I I knew it was a course that suited me. Um, Why is that? Why Because wh- it was a hard course. Okay. You know, it, it favors the well-rounded athlete. It's not just a swim, sit on the bike, and see who runs the fastest. It was like swim fast, bike <laughs> fast and smart and know what you're doing technically. And then the run was also pretty hard too. It was relatively hilly and windy day. So yeah, it favored my strength, which is just being tough. I think, (laughs) you know, you know, you're, you're tough. Like, yeah. So going into that, you were, you were eyeing it. This is, this is, I think going into it, I had a bit more confidence than other races and that definitely helped, you know, when I was, Climbing up the hill in T1, trying to hold Flora's wheel and um, thinking, oh my God, I might be in a breakaway with Flora Duffy. Because <laughs> that's the pivotal moment. For those that are listening, that's the pivotal moment when you get out of the swim and you get onto the bike. Like mm-hmm. if you get, make that front pack, yeah. especially with Flora or some other good biker, yeah. like you can, you can create some time between the rest of the people. Yeah, that, that pretty much, that moment would have made or broke my race. Had I not made that pack, I wouldn't have gotten a podium. My first podium that day, I, I knew I felt pretty good. I could tell on, on my swim warm up that I like had just that little bit extra that I think would have made the difference from the pontoon start. And so there were some critical moments, even in the swim where I, I saw that the person in front of me was losing feet and I had to go around them and things like that. And I had to push myself just a little bit harder running into T2, I remember after the race, I told my coach that was the hard, or T1, that was the hardest T1 I've ever done. I'm pretty sure I threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> He's like, well, it paid off. So Were you just hauling ass? Yeah, I was like, don't lose this breakaway, Taylor. Like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, sh- show them what you have. There was a huge hill leading out of T1. Mm. And so I practiced mounting, mounting my bike quite a few times going up the hill. And it's like, okay, as long as you get one foot in your shoe, you know, you can go up this hill and, you know, you can stay in whatever pack you're in. <laughs> and so I practiced it maybe four or five times before the start of the race. And, um, and it worked. I got one foot in. <laughs> the other <laughs> foot didn't quite get in. But Floor was behind me mounting the bike and she came around me and I just got on her wheel and I was like this is a make or break moment. And one of my former training partners got, got dropped and I was like, Oh no, you need to go around her. So I had to go around her and I was just like, just stay on Flora's wheel, stay on Flora's wheel. And I didn't know really what was going on at that moment, but I was just so immersed in what was happening that I was able to do what I needed to do to stay in that bike pack. And once we started descending the hill into the city where we did a, a circuit of a few confusing laughs, <laughs> um, 
I realized there was only four of us. And I was like, oh my God, there are only four of us in a breakaway at a WTS race. And I'm one of these people. <laughs> like, so how is cool. this happening? Right does, your, does your mind go to who's in the group and who's a good runner? Do you start doing calculations like that? Or were you in flow? Like, I just got to hang on the floor's wheel. I don't care who's here. Swimmers usually aren't as good of runners. So you're always kind of trying not to get caught if you're in the breakaway pack. And that's more or less where my mind was at at that moment. Halfway through the bike, I was just thinking, oh my God, you might get your first top 10 at a WTS. <laughs> top 10, even top though you're in the 10. top four. <laughs> like these girls will catch you, but you know, just, just be smart. <laughs> and I put so many gels on my bike that day. <laughs> yeah, have, like, I had so many gels and I, I was just so afraid of bonking and just ruining my day because of poor nutrition that I just overdid it. As each lap went on, I could tell um, someone was giving us time splits and we were increasing the gap between the people behind us. So I was like calculating in my head, like, okay, we're two minutes ahead of the group. Some girls, depending on how I'm feeling today, might outrun me by two minutes. Then coming into T2, I was like, oh, you know what? I might get top five today. And I like (laughs) have a horrible dismount into transition. There's like huge crowd, like the biggest crowd I've ever experienced at a race. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, don't mess this up, Taylor. So I run out of T T1 last from that bike pack and I, I catch one of the girls pretty quickly. And then I, I catch Beto and at the bottom of the hill, I'm like, okay, just stay with Beto. Like brace this smart. Don't, don't mess it up. Don't go out too hard. I look back and I'm like already starting to drop her. I'm like, oh, you know what? I feel kind of good today. Maybe I'll just keep going and see what happens. I see my coach at the top of the first hill and he's just like, go, like yelling at me, <laughs> like he always does in races. And Flora just pulls away easily, gracefully. Did and, you have uh, any idea that Beto had a penalty at this point? No. 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 So you're just mm-hmm. like, you're going. I was just like, I got to go. Okay. At that point, my mindset was don't let the girls from pack two catch you. or all of them. I had a feeling a few of them would catch me at that point. Yeah, I was still in the mindset of maybe I'll get top five. (laughs) Even though you were like in, you're in third at this, you're in second at this point. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And like non-Stanford and Casper and all these these, were all behind you. Killer runners. Yeah, amazing runners. I was like, okay, they're going to catch you, but it's okay. Just, just do the smart. Don't blow up. Like go out the first, first two laps at a solid pace. What's a solid, what does yeah, a solid just, pace look like? I just, I could tell I was starting to get a little bit of a side stitch. So I was just trying to hold it back so it wouldn't happen. And, um, what is that? Like, uh, what are you running? Cause you, you don't wear like, watch. So don't they, they don't wear watches in this, love that. in this short distance, right? It's I'm like, you just go. I'm a former runner. So I just kind of go with how I feel. Cause it doesn't but matter. I, yeah. You're, going. yeah I feel you're racing like that, the race. That day I had, had a little bit of flow obviously from the first half. So I was just working off of that. And I think it wasn't until halfway through the run, I realized like, Kirsten was leading that pack and she wasn't gaining too much time on me. And I was like, oh my God, I might get second. What? <laughs> like, Pintry, this is not happening right now. I was just like, just hold it together, hold it together. And then the last lap, I was like, oh my God. Because you can see, can, it's, it's a circuit. Yeah. So on like a certain out and back, I pinpoint where I was and where they were. And I was like, 
oh, wow, I have a lot of time on them. Like, they're not actually catching me. I must be running fast today. Yeah, and it was really exciting. And, and I just remember the last half of the last lap, because it was four laps total um, around the city center, just like smiling, like, oh, my God, someone pinched me. I'm dreaming. <laughs> not only are you going to get your top 10, you're going to get on the top. podium. I mean, yeah, like my goal going into this race was top 10. I would have never, ever guessed that I would have gotten second, ever. <laughs> and you, you made that turn and you beeline for the sideline to give those people high fives. Yeah. And you, the smile came out. Yeah, I saw one of my teammates somewhere on the side sidelines who couldn't race that race. And I just remember, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to high five her. So I just didn't. And I smiled at her. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I won't high five you, but I'll just smile. And she was like, really excited. I come up to the blue carpet. I'm like, oh my God, like, can I high five people? I think I can. So I just went over and like gave everyone a high five and really tried to, you know, enjoy that moment because I wasn't sure when that moment would happen again. I really hope I can do something like that again in the future. You will. You will. <laughs> you will do something like that again in the future. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's back up a little bit um, to go back to kind of your your entry story. When did you start biking and running? Because right now you're just you're swimming and you're in college and you're swimming. You're swimming um, Cal Poly, right? Uh, you're yeah. in San Luis Obispo. Yeah, that's such a cool um, place. It was one of our potential. That was one of our potential places where we were gonna live. Oh, I love it there. You swim in the yeah that pool. That, that yeah, pool. there's um I don't know what that pool I is. The name of it was you probably should probably swim awesome at the college outdoor. though. Yeah. But it, it was cold. It was not the university. Cold. And we were like, we can't. We have to go going south. We have to go we have to turn around and go south. Yeah. It's too cold. Yeah. Slow is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And the reason I decided to go to that school was because I visited. Otherwise I would have gone to a totally different school. Would have never gone there. But yeah. It seems it's like incredible. a super cool place. Probably great trail running, great yeah. mountain biking. And I didn't really get to experience it until I started doing triathlons my, my last year of school because I was either swimming collegiately or, you know, sitting in an architecture studio building small models and not sleeping very much. So I didn't, I didn't really see out, the outdoors of slow or get to appreciate it unless I was walking to and from school like before sunrise or after sunset. Once I started doing triathlon, I got it a much greater appreciation for for San Luis Obispo and what it had to offer. What so what got you what got you into triathlon? Just before I studied abroad, my third year, after the swim season was over, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna just start running and, you know, go to a spin class or something like that. <laughs> I did a few triathlons and just thought that would be a good way to stay in shape while I, I was abroad. And, you know, you can't always find a pool and, and things like that. But I still wanted to be active. That's when I when I started. When did you realize that there was because you went into the college recruitment program? That was after college. Yeah. After college. Mm -hmm. And that is that through USAT? Yeah. 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 They have a good when we were sat down with Barry, like they do a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's no way I would be where I am now without their support, especially yeah. from the collegiate recruitment program, because my first year as a pro, I was working like 40, 50 hour weeks as a 
junior lifeguard instructor trying to make enough money to go pay my way to a race and try to squeeze training in before or after work at like a 4 a.m. master swim. Mm. 4 a.m. master four, swim? 4.30. Oh, that's really early. Mm-hmm. Four, like the 4 o'clock hour <laughs> means you're getting up in the 3 o'clock hour. My poor junior guards probably experienced a lot of <laughs> grumpy Taylor. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, it's amazing. I mean, and that's where we have a lot of triathletes that listen to this. That's your membership dollars. Go to go to this kind of recruitment and and support system for people who, and it's not like you're living the life, like you're working 40, 50 hours a week and then training and, you know, trying to see if this is something you want to do. So it's, it's yeah. huge. It's huge, huge, huge. And a lot of the membership dollars go to that program. Yeah. If it wasn't for that program, I'd probably still be working and trying to make it as a professional and not you know, cutting back and, and, um, really focusing on what I need to focus to get where I want to go. Where do you want to go? <laughs> One more step higher on the podium. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Is that a goal for this year? Yes. Yes. Of course it is. But I think the biggest goal is, um, more consistent results. And I'd say Leeds was definitely an outlier, but it shows me what I'm capable of. So it gives me a little bit of confidence going into another season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it starts with Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Nothing before then? No, um, no San Diego triathlon? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> desert. Is it desert try? But there you, is can the you race tri- those? There's the Triton Man triathlon. We'll see Triton if Man. my coach wants us to do that. Can you jump into any race? Yeah. Like any yeah. Like, normal thing? Yeah. Yeah. If we, if we want to, but. My race schedule's pretty full. Yeah, we're pretty much racing at least once a month, if not sometimes three times a month. Yeah. When does that start? When's your first race? Early March. We'll see where I'm at come, like, I don't know, after the grand final, which is in September. Mm-hmm. I'll reevaluate how the season went and how I'm feeling, like, mentally, not only physically. And go from there. Yeah, because that's seven months of hard racing. Yeah, there was definitely a low point in the season where where mentally I needed needed a little break. And I I went home and that's why my last two races were so successful was because I just went home for three days and took a little mental break. Is there ever a day that you wake up and you're just like, I don't don't want to do this? (laughs) There are a lot of days like that. And how do you get your butt out of bed? Sometimes just because I have a group that I have to go train with, like that's pretty much it. Because sometimes when I go home and I have to train on my own, like hopping in the pool and doing a swim set, I think maybe it's because I'm a former swimmer, but it can just be so boring and like almost dreadful. But then other times I realize what doing these little things has, has done for myself as an athlete and that often just like pushes me to just hop in the pool and get the workout done or just get up, do my, my prehab exercises so that I'm not injured later on and things like that. It's hard to remind yourself of that when you're really tired and in a hole, but. How important are those like prehab exercises <laughs> and the rolling and all of that? How, as an athlete, how how important is that to your success? 
I'd say it's very, very important. I came away from 2016 with a pretty bad shoulder injury. And the reason this last year, 2017, was so successful was because I did my shoulder exercises religiously every other day. Um, at the beginning of the season, it was every day. And if I hadn't done that, and if like the physios that I worked with hadn't instilled like this idea in my head that I had to do these every, every day to stay healthy, then I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's why I had such a successful year was because I was able to stay healthy, not be injured and train consistently. What is, what does nutrition look like? So let's go on the opposite end. So what is your, what's your daily nutrition and focus, you know, pre and post workouts? I think the most important thing is to always eat food and not try to substitute with supplements all the time. I find it's so hard sometimes to get in all the calories I need that I need to have like a protein shake after crucial sessions or take some gels with me. And sometimes in the middle of of a swim workout, I'll just get out of the pool and grab a gel because I'm so (laughs) hungry. But then sometimes I realize that's because maybe I'm not fueling properly. So it's been a learning experience for me as an athlete, just to learn what kind of nutrition I need and eating the right things at the right times and learning what doesn't work for me is really important as well. It's huge. It's huge. And nutrition is such an individual thing, the way that people eat, what they choose to eat, even more so of like what works in your system based on you and your training versus me and my training, but you and your training and how it varies every day. Mm -hmm. So before swim, what, what do you typically, what would you typically eat before swim? Cause I'm assuming like when you guys train, is your swims usually the first Yeah, this year it's a little different. Most of our swims are first thing. Last year, we'd have like an easy run first thing. Um, But I got in the routine of, I think, teaching my stomach (laughs) to handle like a bowl of oatmeal with a banana and some honey and maybe a spoonful of almond butter and something like that. And I pretty much have that every morning before a workout. How, how long before the workout would you eat that? Because I'm, I'm thinking there's been many times I've like done yeah. talk about the throw up in the mouth. Yeah. Re-eating yeah. the oatmeal. If it's, it's a so hard, good. Oh yeah. If it's a hard <laughs> session, definitely. I wake up like two hours before at least. Sometimes I just hit snooze too many times and I totally regret it afterwards. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's huge because there's times like I'll be eating the oatmeal, like on I the know. way to the pool and I'm like, that's, I am going to be so screwed. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be but so then if screwed. You under, if you under fuel, like you, you get the hung, the hangry, like in the middle of the swim set and you're like, well, what do I do? Like do I yeah. get out, do I complete this set <laughs> one more time? And you're like, I think I'm going to faint. Yeah. I think I need some sort of food in my system. Yeah. I've and learned then- that lesson the hard way. <laughs> I always have gels or bars in my bag because sometimes I just get hungry. (laughs) Like no matter how much I try to feel properly, I think I'm always learning more about myself. I'm not perfect. I don't wake up two hours before every session and eat as much as I can. But I think that's a good thing for people to hear. Like two hours before a session, that's pretty ideal. Yeah. I would think. For a race, it's three hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like my last big meal is three hours before. So it just depends on that intensity. Do you always have the same race breakfast? Mm. Well, sometimes your races are in the afternoon too. Yeah, Yeah. it's really hard because the time of our race is very, like sometimes it's at (laughs) 2 p.m. And you're just like, how do I feel for this? Like I want to eat lunch, but I don't know. Um, I usually try to have a bowl of oatmeal about three hours before rice or whatever is convenient and like a banana and something to make it taste okay. But I find that anytime I do something a little risky, uh, I really regret it in the race. So I have to be very careful because I have a sensitive stomach, but it's all trial and error. And, and I think very individualized. Mm -hmm. Some athletes can handle any food, and I can't. <laughs> and it's going to change too. Like as you get older and in, it's all, it's all going to change. Like you're, it's all, I think it's always a constant, uh, I was getting up and process. doing PD or whatever. Oh my God. PJ like, drinks. You're that, like a, what do they call it? Like the, oh, the guinea pig. I was going to call yeah. you a gerbil, but you're like, you're the guinea pig, I'm the guinea which pig. is I've so tried, great. I've tried it all. Like I've gone yeah. to races, like I'm not going to have anything yeah. because I'm going to cramp. Yeah. So I go through a, a three hour Olympic distance race and I'm like. <laughs> Totally cramping. I regret this. Doesn't have any fuel. I love that one. That was like, I'm not going to drink on the bike. Oh, that sounds like a terrible idea. But why you try it out? (laughs) It sounds extreme. And you were like leading. You were like leading for the first half mile of the run, and then you like walked it in. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, but that's a valuable lesson. You'll never do that again. I know, but it's so great for his athletes because he really has. I remember he used to. You would make us get up like for half Ironman or Ironman. How many hours before? Like six hours. It was like in the middle in the morning, of the two night. In the morning, I'd have insurer, and I'm like to drink like some old person drink. Like <laughs> tasted like chalk, and I was like, "Are you sure oh. we're supposed to be doing this?" Yeah. And then go back to bed, and it was awful. It was terrible. I've definitely <laughs> tested a lot of practices. Ask people what they do, and, and yeah. test it out. And, but you're so right; it's unique. Eventually, you you find that that combo, that combination of things that's. Wow, this is this works for me. This works for me. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with this for a while. And you you probably go out with a bunch of the teammates, <clears throat> your teammates, and they're all on different yeah eating plans. Like the night before a race, I now I just go find a Thai place and have some fried rice with chicken. <laughs> and that's it. But that's it. And the rare occasion I go out with other people and I eat what they're eating, my stomach is not happy the next day. <laughs> Uh, the most important thing is for us as professionals is to perform on race day. So uh, nutrition's pretty important the two or three days, especially leading into a race. Yeah, it's the night before. Yeah, it's the morning of. Yeah, it's during the race. But it's also what is it even before that yeah. leading up to it? And I think e- even to look at that, not even, yes, performance on race day, but also recovery. Like, how was your body going into the race? And I think your body going into the race has so much to do with how you bounce. Yeah. And how you're fueling it in, those, in that whole week, really, before the race happens. The hardest thing for me, I think, this past year was learning how to fuel properly when we're at these training camps in foreign locations where we don't have a car and we're not used to the same food and things like that. So I've found what's most helpful for me is I... I pack some of the things that I'm used to. <laughs> like my, I work with this nutritionist, Liz Fusco. She works with the U.S. rowing team and some other triathletes. She's taught me to make these protein balls. So I'll, I'll go to you know Trader Joe's and pack a bunch of seeds and nuts that I can take with me to these foreign countries. 
and I'll mix them up in, in a bowl of Tupperware with like chia seeds and almond butter and scoops of protein powder. And then at least I'll have these little snacks to, you know, get me through the day when I'm, you know, trying to acclimate to this new time zone a week before a race, but, you know, not used to the, the f- fish in South mm-hmm. Korea. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so does it vary as far as like how far out from the race that you arrive at your destination? I mean, I would think in a perfect world, like the more the time change, the earlier you get there, but it's probably not always the case. Since the races that I do are all over the world, where we have to acclimate to so many different time zones. It's usually about a, a week out that we travel to these places so more or less five days yeah and who you don't do all that travel like arrangements do you you don't have to do that not anymore when I was a, a when lower, you were, lower level when athlete. you were not all, oh now you're a yeah. podium girl you got a little <laughs> travel agent well we have uh, a woman that that That's does it for us awesome. and she's super helpful because you know there are these other federations that that don't have like the resources that USA Triathlon has um, to, you know, book our accommodations and our flights for us and our shuttles from the hotel and the airport and things like that. So that's really helpful. And so you guys are just a like a big way. family. Yeah. And you're here now with your with your triathlon family because right? mm-hmm. you're training under with um, Paula Souza's triathlon, triathlon squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who else from your like who else is on that team? So we have some new athletes. I'd say it's like a half U.S. based squad and half international. So Summer Cook would be a name that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's been killing it. Yeah, she's she's been doing really great. Matt McElroy. Mm-hmm. You know him? Yep. Mm-hmm. Eric, we already talked about him, and then a few other athletes that are. I don't know if you know all of them. Um, let's see. Might. <laughs> Will, William Huffman, Chelsea Sodaro, Seth Ryder. Mm-hmm. Seth's cool. He's a, I think he'll be good one day. He's an up-and-coming athlete, and he's been doing the sport his whole life. We have Claire Michelle. Mm-hmm. She's Belgian she's really slash well American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's, she's a sweetheart. She was in, was she in the Super League? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's... Oh, we haven't even talked about Super League, but go ahead. Who else is... Uh, Yuko Takahashi. Um, we have uh, some new people, Miriam Casillas and her brother Alberto, and Kaidi. I don't know how to say Kaidi's last name. She's from Estonia, and the new squad is my, my roommate <laughs> base. <laughs> and the girl named Dita, who's Danish. When you see these races, you, you see, like... Mario Mola and Richard Murray like train together, but they're in different countries. Yeah. So does that does that motivate you to be able to train with these like international athletes? Essentially, you're training with your competitors. Yeah, it's it's an odd dynamic, but I think it it gets even more competitive when it's within your own country because you're fighting for that spot on the start line versus what you do in a race. I think it's very, very different. So that's why a lot of training groups like Joel's, for instance, they only have one athlete from each country because it really messes with the dynamic of the group when you have a lot of people competing to get on a start line. 
the dynamics between like the foreign athletes is a, is a bit different because you know what people's strengths and weaknesses are, but I think altogether we, we push ourselves and push each other every day. Um, whether it's swimming, biking, or running. And that's why we're such a successful group because everyone brings something different to the Mm -hmm. table. So Super League, (laughs) how rocking is that sport? Do you like it, first of all? Oh, yeah. It was super cool. (laughs) The setup is amazing. Just... It's not your traditional triathlon. So for those out there, it's, it's swim, bike, and run, but it can be any combination. And mm-hmm. they, they, it's predetermined ahead of time. So how do you train for that? How would you train for a swim, bike, run, swim, <laughs> run? <laughs> I didn't really do anything different than what I normally did. I think having this lifeguard slash surf lifesaving background mm-hmm. helps me a little bit because I'm used to running and then swimming and then doing things in weird orders, although I haven't done that in a long time. At least I have some exposure to it, but nothing can really prepare you for how you're going to feel on that, that, that day when you hop in the water after you run and bike really hard and yeah, you know, all fast. the bloods in your legs. It's so crazy. <laughs> and you feel like you're going backwards. But I think a bit more preparation can go into the next one for, for me personally, but that was my first exposure to any sort of format like that, but it was really fun. And yeah. So is that something that's, that you'd like to do more of? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do more of it. I don't think they're going to have another one until the end of the ITU season. I plan to, to be there at the next one for a little bit of redemption. I don't want to finish a race with, uh, with a total wipeout on the bike. <laughs> Did you wipe out? Yeah, yeah. It was a little slick. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was raining one of those days. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Or maybe even the whole weekend. The first day it was really nice, and then okay. the second day it was, it was rainy, and one of the roundabouts was really slick, and, yeah, I just, the person in front of me braked, and I braked, and, yeah, I, that Went was down. the end of my day. I was really heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a fun series. So... Mm-hmm. For a spectator side of things, it's super awesome to watch that because the action is just constantly going, but it's also, it's Ironman athletes as well as Olympic athletes. Like there's the combo of some long distance people in there, yeah, which I, th- I like. I think that makes it it fun, especially for people from the U.S. that watch the sport. I think there's more of a, an Ironman following here. And so maybe they're more inclined to watch the Ironman athletes go head-to-head with the ITU athletes and see how how the race pans out. So what about mixed relays <laughs> in the Olympics? Mixed relays. Mixed yeah. relays are fun because you're not racing for yourself. And I think that pushes at least me personally a little bit more. I miss, I miss doing team sports like mm. soccer and water polo and any sort of swim relay growing up. And this thing called Taplin I did uh, as a junior lifeguard and lifeguard. Like, it was the, those team races and games that I, I enjoyed the most. And I really look forward to being on a US, USA team mixed relay at some point. Like I said before, the US women are pretty good. So getting, getting that spot to be one of two, two women on that relay will be tough. Do you have your eyes on Tokyo? Yes. Of course. Yes. Now, when would those trials start? I 
believe there will be a test event probably a year out, kind of like Rio. Is it tw- it's 2020, right? The, the Tokyo Olympics? yeah. But the oh first God, Olympic is... qualification points for 2020 selection starts at WTS Yokohama this year. Because it's so like starting. <laughs> two years. I mean, it's like probably, you know, two and a half at this point. Oh, and then 2028. You got to do 2028 in LA. I know. All right. Well, let's not get too. Yeah. Let's. I'll be way too old then. (laughs) No, you won't. You'll be like, give me, just give me another gold, please. (laughs) That'd be great. So, um, how long are you here training with the squad? Um, Is this going to be your home base throughout? Yeah, this is more or less our home base. Our, our pool in, in Poway was, is currently under construction, I think. So that's why we've relocated to Carlsbad. But I think we all like it here. Carlsbad's nice. Yeah, so we plan to be here until May, the end of May, aside from traveling to some races. And then we'll, we'll have a camp in, in Europe and then an altitude camp. And then pre-Gold Coast Grand Final will be in Australia. That's awesome. So life out of a suitcase. (laughs) That's so exciting, though. I mean, how does it make you feel to look ahead at this life that you've chosen? Just looking back on this last year, I I think it really hit me that you know I'm I'm living a pretty unique unique lifestyle, and it's taking me to places that I I would never see otherwise, and meeting people and doing things that not many other people are doing and I'm I'm really fortunate to be doing what I love. And are your parents fired up? <laughs> when I race well. <laughs> <laughs> are they like beauty parent pageant parents? No, 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 no. <laughs> But I think I think, you know, as a parent you want you want to see your child succeed and when your child strays from the conventional path, you you question whether or not it's the right choice for them. And mm. I think sometimes that makes it hard for them. But then when they see a race like Leeds, they're like, okay, she's doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Because you but, have a, do you, you have a degree in architecture. Yeah. Yeah. Do you play at all with design or anything? Like, I know you probably don't have a lot of off time, but do you miss it? Do you play with it? Do you? I definitely miss cr- using the creative side of my brain. Because mm. you're so linear. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, I think doing triathlons a bit the opposite. You know, sometimes I, I find creative outlets. I wish I had more energy sometimes to do more creative things because I'm usually really tired from training. But sometimes I make, <laughs> as silly as it sounds, I make like thank you cards and like handmade things that are gifts or artwork, and, and um, that's something I'd like to be my new year's resolution is to just bring a little sketchbook with me and a a pen and try to tap into that part of my brain every once in a while when I visit these cool countries and work on my sketching. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) think about all the different places you're going to, I mean, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, and you've been to a lot of these places, but to, yeah, to go there and then bring a little bit of that creativity. You know, we were talking about Eric. I don't even know if the mics were on or off and like how he brings his creativity to the sport. Yeah. You know, I don't know how he makes time for it, but it's something that he loves. And I think it's something that is really important to him. And for you to break from that, just that super linear movement and, you know, 
to use that other part of your brain, to use that creativity to just be fully in the present moment in a different way would probably be, even though you say like you're tired or whatever, it would probably be very rejuvenating for you to, to incorporate that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Looking back on last year, I, I know that I need to work on like the mental side of things and just, you know, finding ways to, you know, step outside of wherever I am mentally, since we're in these like confined training environments with the same people all the time and just, you know, do something totally different. And for me, that would be doing something creative. So the easiest way to do that would be to travel with my little sketchbook. So now I have to be held accountable because I just <laughs> told yeah. the world. Right, so exactly. we'll, we'll check in with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Notebook in a week. Uh, we'll no. check in after your first trip. We want to see a drawing. <laughs> we'll take we'll take a picture of BJ at four in the morning on the bathroom floor watching <laughs> the rain this morning. <laughs> she better be drawing because I'm on the bathroom floor with my laptop. But I think it would be like a good way to meditate in a way just not not train not be with the same people but just like be present and you gotta walk away so that you can see mm-hmm. like you gotta take a break so that you can gain sight and sight from above like sight in a way where you're looking and you're watching yourself like and you're and you're seeing it from a different angle mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is to is to take a break, to walk away. And even if it's five minutes, right? So I'm a writer and like I haven't, I was in like this writing challenge in November, wrote every day, you know, cause it's a challenge, wrote every day. Even if I was like exhausted, I'm like, just write a paragraph, like just mm-hmm. write something. And I haven't written since. Was like, this that Facebook group thing? Yeah. Okay. How did you know that? You mentioned it. Oh, I mentioned it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a Facebook thing. How did you know that? (laughs) I know everything. Well, she was like, how did you even know I was here? How did you know I was in a writing challenge? We've been equally stalking each other. And I haven't written. I'm like, why? I I wrote for 30 days. I made time. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I don't have time? No, of course I have time. Yeah, you have five minutes every day. Exactly. And, And so do you. But it's just so hard to like, you know, get yourself to do that. But I think if you get yourself in a routine and, and you just like do it first thing in the morning or do it right before you go to bed, it, it makes it a lot easier. It's huge. And it's, yeah, it's, it's creating that neural pathway. It's like, it's a part of your routine. I work with a lot of people who are beginning meditation and I can't even say this about myself anymore, which is so amazing, but they'll all of a sudden all the excuses will come in about how, you know, they've got, they've got too much to do today. They, you know, they can't meditate. And I was there too, but now I realize that I can't like that neural pathway is so wide. And I realize how much it brings to my life and what I'm able to share because of it. All of these things will come in. So the, the writing, okay, let's take the writing instead of the meditation, like the writing. And all of a sudden it's not in my awareness and I'm not doing it anymore because there's no accountability. I'm not in the challenge. Like you've got to do the swim, bike and running every day. You have to do the prehab because you have to do the swim, bike and running. You have to do the rolling because you have to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and so it's becoming accountable to yourself, which is even harder. It's the hardest thing to do. It's so much easier to be accountable to someone else. I know, but it's so important because I know that when I, when I write, when I reflect, when I mind dump, 
Mm-hmm. Like that's how I look at it. Like if I'm just journaling in the morning, just mind dumping, right? And that would be a very similar thing. Yeah. Just mind dumping in the way that you're creating something. It's totally different. It takes you. It takes you a step out. And I think that there's a huge amount of potential to up a mental game just from that, mm-hmm. just from exercising your creativity and doing something that you love. Yeah. It's huge. Just take a mental break and... Yes. Because it's hard to see when you're in In it. it. Yeah. And, and, And it's like... And I think a big part of the mental game is watching your words, mm-hmm. watching no more hope. Like you're not allowed to say hope like, ever if again. Coach, if my coach listens to this pod, podcast, he's going to be like, use the word hope, use the word try. Yes. <laughs> These are words you're not supposed to use. Yes. Today. You're not allowed to use those. No more hope. Words right? are powerful. No, there's no faith yeah. in hope. Mm-hmm. There's no faith in hope. It's like you will, you, mm-hmm. and you not only will you, you already have, Yeah, you're just going to catch up to all of it, mm-hmm. you know, and our words are really, really powerful. So this whole universe is just a mathematical equation. Everything we say, we, we do, we think is a boomerang. So we throw it out and it comes back. And the universe says, oh, well, she's just hoping. <laughs> Whereas this other girl's like, I'm getting it done. Yeah. Like I'm going to win that race. And I'm thinking about um, Suzanne Davis, who was on our podcast, oh, yeah. who's really awesome. She's got a lot of wisdom. She's in her 40s now, and she's one of the best. I think she is, like, one the of best, the best, if not the group. best. She's definitely Iron been Man, world, yeah. Ironman world champion in her age group. But she was professional. Yeah, she was professional when she was younger, like in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And she just bonked at the Olympic trials and had to, like, walk away mm-hmm. because she was so in it. She never gave herself that sight, that space to see. And she had to walk away, and she took a big break, and now she's back. And Siri Lindley, too. Same Siri, thing yeah, with Siri, Siri Lindley. Lindley. If you know Siri yeah, Lindley, yeah. she did the same kind of thing. I do think it's important to give yourself that, like, mental like, headspace. For me, it's doing something creative, but for someone else, it could be like for you guys, it's meditating and Mm -hmm. going to yoga and, you know, I've incorporated some meditation into my life and I've felt it, it's helpful. It's so helpful. It's, it's gold for the athlete mind. (laughs) It is gold. Because we focus so much on like, um, physical recovery, but, and like the physical side of what we're doing as athletes, but it's really hard to hone in on, on the mental side and taking, whether it's, you know, taking a step back and, and reflecting or, or just taking a step outside of what you're doing. I think it's really important. It's huge. Meditation is huge. I can't, I can't stress it enough, like, because it's going to give you that space because what happens in meditation is that you get in touch with something that's like underneath everything. It's like under your breath, it's under your words, it's under your thoughts. And then you start to hang out in that, like that part of you becomes a little bit more robust and it's kind of like with you a lot. And that's how you can really start to hear your words and you can start to see those boomerangs that you're sending out. And so, and so to start Taylor, like all you would do is just before the sheets are even off, like you're still all cozy in the bed. You, you have not hit snooze. You've yeah. just shut the alarm right off. No, she's not hitting snooze anymore. And, um, no, sometimes you do need to hit snooze. Uh, 
and you just take three, you take three breaths. Like your eyes are still closed. You're still all comfy in your bed. And you just start this practice of just, I'm going to take three breaths. And when you take those breaths, like hang out in the space between the breath and just do that three times and then walk into your day. And that is a meditative way to start your day. Because when you get into that space between the breaths, there's something there. Like at first it seems like there's nothing there, but at further investigation, you realize that there's something very much there. And to me, what I've been able to access through that space is like that part of me that is closer to me than the breath mm. and that, that wise being, right? Like that, that part of us that's just unchanging that part, like when you're on Flora's wheel mm. and you are just redlined, there's that part of you underneath like your breath, underneath all those gels you got packed into your suit, <laughs> there's that part of you that's just watching it all. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can touch that part of us, the more that she'll show up and you start to operate from this place of calm and you realize like, wait a minute, I don't, there's, there's no way, like I can't afford to use words like hope and try (laughs) because those are, that's, that's a vocabulary that, that I do not need. It does not serve me. And I think that it's not going to get me to where I want to go. Right. And so it's like, what's the next logical step? So for you, it's losing those words completely. And everything, like I said, everything is just, everything is energy. Everything's like a mathematical equation in this universe. Sometimes the the physical world takes a little bit to catch up, but like keep your eye on that podium, like see yourself with that gold medal in Tokyo, like do those things because that's the boomerang you're sending out. Mm -hmm. It's really it's what your competitors are not doing. Mm. They're not doing it. Heart, it. This is starting to like get into mainstream, but for the most part, people are still dealing with, I think we talked about it at the beginning of the conversation, like people are still dealing with a lot of doubt, a lot of fear, and we just, we believe that that's an acceptable part of our life. And it's not. And we also believe that it can be a motivator and it's a motivator, but it's a very unsustainable motivator because the, the heaviness of that vibration will eventually take you down. So the operating from this like calm place, like this super powerful place, like that's the sustainable place to go kick some ass Mm -hmm. out on the course. Wow. So three breaths. Yeah. Three breaths. I think three I breaths. have a new thing to do in the morning. <laughs> three breaths. I like this. Yeah, you like this. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> You're going to love this. Yeah. No, this is great. <laughs> it's only the start. It's only the start. It's only the start. Right. You watch. You You're going to be like. Uncovering. Yeah. You're like, wow, I need more of this. Like, uh-huh. I need more space. I find it. I find it in my swimming. Like, I just find. I find flow more in my swimming now than I ever have. And I'm, I'm a great swimmer. Vocabulary changer. <laughs> Vocabulary changer. <laughs> but you get into that mindset and it's like all relative. Like yeah. my, my mind was just like, well, compared to you, compared to like, right. But it doesn't matter because all I'm worried about is, is myself and my yeah. goals. As I get into this space more and I sit with myself more, it's uncovering all this stuff of like, I have to be amped up in order to go fast. And that, and it's proving time and time again, I don't have to be amped up to go fast. Mm-hmm. Like I've even gone to the point of removing caffeine from my <laughs> routine. Like I have seven months caffeine free, like, and nice. I'm still did three Ironmans this year. Like that's still 
possible. So now you're like, now I'm changing my story. What's my story? I don't need that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't need that at all. So what else don't I need? And what more potential do I have? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it just opens up the space to explore. Um, and it's kind of full circle of what we were talking about before. Like in order to go all in, you got to let some things fall away. And so, uh, the, you know, one of the most important things that we can do is f- it's not let fall, let fall away. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense, but I make up words all the time. So just, just creating let, and let things go that you might be holding on to. That you right. And that includes anymore. thought patterns and belief systems. Yeah. And that's not so easy to do. No, so don't harder. worry about like <laughs> letting those go. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But more so focus your efforts on getting into that space. Like we just saw BJ get into the gap where he (laughs) caught himself, you know, and then you choose away from it. And then eventually as you continue to choose away from it, choose away from it, choose away from it. Those neural pathways in your brain will narrow up and shrivel off and go away and you don't have to worry about them anymore. And then the other ones of like just the unwavering belief in yourself those become really, really wide and they become really, really wide in a very non-egoic way. So I think sometimes as athletes, we think like, if I say, you know, I'm a, I'm a swimmer, I'm a this, I'm a that. It's like, oh, I think that people might think that I think that I'm better than them and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it can kind of come off that way, but no, that's, that's the same kind of vibe as using, using words that secretly self-sabotage ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when we do it from this meditative way, you do it from this, this platform that's really, really pure. And then you start to realize that it doesn't really matter what other people think of you because it's none of your business. Mm -hmm. And you've got this like incredible secret (laughs) to life. And then you just keep creating and creating from that place. And you'll see that everything like your physical fitness just, you know, will go through the roof and what you're able to do to go beyond that in your career as a triathlete. Just correlating this to athletic performances, my best races this year were when I was in a good place mentally and, and at my happiest and like at this kind of, like you said, calm Mm. and not stressed out about all these other things. But when I fell short of, you know, my own expectations was when I was experiencing a lot of self doubt and just didn't believe in myself quite as much. And I think it, it goes to show how important it is to hone in on this like mental side of of being an athlete and not just the, the physical from a solid unshakable mental foundation the physical will just it will be more than you could ever imagine because if you look at science the neural system in the body is the one that's limitless the physical fitness it, it has limits it's the neural part of ourselves that will allow us to push past the physical limits to a level that we ha- that we couldn't imagine by just focusing on the physical. Mm-hmm. The yeah, it's the mind training, and it's and it's not about stopping the thoughts. It's about getting. It's never about stopping the thoughts. It makes me insane when I go into <laughs> yoga classes and the teacher says like, <laughs> "Quiet your mind." Stop your thoughts. It's not possible. You're setting them up for failure. I'm like, oh, please don't tell people that because they're going to think that they're a total failure. <laughs> That's what the mind is supposed to do. It's supposed to think. It's amazing. It's just we were never taught how to use it. 
Mm-hmm. We were never taught how to use it. And so when we can pull our awareness away, so when you're laying in bed tomorrow morning, or you might even go home and do it tonight, I think, <laughs> before you go to sleep, because it's a great way to, to go to sleep. And, and when yeah. I wake up. And when you wake up, yeah. when you put, so what you'll do is you're going to take your awareness away from your thoughts, which most people are walking around with their awareness and their thoughts like Velcroed together all day long. You're going to pull your awareness away from your thoughts. You're going to put it on your breath right? You're doing this already, like in racing and things like that. Like, I know you're already doing this to a degree. You have to, to be able to perform at the level that you're performing at. So to watch it in a moment of stillness where your body's not moving is even, is going to be even more effective. So you pull that awareness away, you put it on your breath, but your thoughts are still going. What does that tell you? That tells you that you are not those thoughts. So if you're not those thoughts, oh, well, that's awesome. You get to pick and choose which ones you want to bring into your life. And that's, that's so important to know that we're not our thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's just that our awareness is just so stuck and we're, most people are, it's servitude, Mm -hmm. servitude. When in fact, the mind is this magnificent tool. It is so amazing. It's so cool, but we just don't know how to use it. So I feel like that's what I'm here on this earth is to teach people how to use it to their benefit. I think doing it when I'm still will be much more difficult than, you know, when I'm in a race because I'm 100% doing it when I'm racing. Like I'm Mm -hmm. totally focused on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But then the second I stop moving, (laughs) all these thoughts come in and I drive myself crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And let me tell you, I wasn't born like this. Like I couldn't sit down. I couldn't sleep at night. I used to have panic attacks. I've been there like I, and I'm not saying that you're at that point. I was a crazy person. Like I couldn't, I was complete. I was in complete servitude to my mind. Mm-hmm. I was in complete servitude to my thoughts. I didn't, there was no gap. I had no idea that there was another way to live. But what happens is when you become still, this is what happens when you're still, you start to see what's brewing under the surface. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. That's when all like people say, I can't meditate. My mind's too busy. It's like, you're human, right? Like you're human. Everyone's You're not busy. special at all. You're not special. Like sit on the cushion and sit there. And the thing is that you've got the discipline to do it. But now that you know that you don't have to stop your thoughts. And now that you know that like, you know that when you're still, those thoughts might even bubble up a hundred times more than you ever thought because you're still, there's nothing else to distract you. You don't have to, you're not thinking about, you know, the pull of the swim. You're not thinking about the pedal stroke. You're Mm -hmm. not thinking about like your cadence. You're just, you're still, Mm -hmm. and you get to be totally still with all those thoughts. And I've seen estimates I think this one's really high because I don't even know how they measure this, that our thought life, we're going through upwards of a hundred thousand thoughts a day. And then on the low end, I've seen like 60,000 thoughts a day, 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a huge difference. (laughs) That's exhausting. (laughs) That's still a lot. That's exhausting, you know? And, and so to sit in that stillness and have the, the mind bubble up, just know that you're human and that's what happens. But if you create a practice with it, mm-hmm. there's going to be some massive change. Yeah. And you're not going to notice it from the stillness. You're going to notice it in other parts of your life first. Even if it's as simple as taking three deep yep. breaths. You just start there. Mm-hmm. Master those. 
Okay. And then shoot me an email. <laughs> I will. <laughs> a picture of a drawing. Yes, yes, done. with my sketch. My yes. five, five minute sketch. <laughs> so you've got homework to do after this podcast. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Wrap it up. How yeah, do people how up. people follow you and get connected with you? You have a fun social. Oh. <laughs> I try. She's the like I, like I am on the, the team. I'm the fun one. Um, you can follow me at TK Spivey. It stands for Taylor Catherine Spivey, which is my full name. Taylor Spivey was taken, so. <laughs> Who is she? She was actually a really good collegiate swimmer at UCLA, I think. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we, should get, we should get her on the show, too. Don't get us confused. I think she's a few years older than me. <laughs> yeah, she took it first. So, yeah, right. at TK Spivey. And, um, You're on Twitter? Yes. I Instagram? Occasionally go on Twitter. What's your jam? Most, mostly Instagram. It's Instagram. more my, my demographic, I think. Instagram's big um, now. Yeah. I, I think right. it's also a creative outlet for me, like taking pictures. Of your sketches? Then, of my sketches, <laughs> yes. And I think she gets the point. <laughs> yeah, and occasionally I post pictures of myself because I think that's why people follow me is to see what I'm doing. But yeah, I try to keep it creative and witty and funny and feel free to ask me any questions if anyone out there wants to send me a message. I'm, you know, awesome. Happy to answer them. Well, thank you <laughs> cool. so much for coming over on this very cold, very rainy San Diego night. <laughs> I know. It's like a true winter. I know. Usually Except you it's walked, not snowing. It's not snowing. You like walked in here like you were just coming in from the tundra. I know. With my cute little beanie with a bobble on the top. It's yeah. Very cute. <laughs> Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week, episode 88 in your awareness bank. Thank you for the support of the show. Check out the show notes for ways to connect with Taylor and some of the other Real Deal athletes mentioned in our conversation. Also, don't miss our new designs of tees and tanks, Awake and Ready and Snoozes for Sissies, both of which are nothing more than calls to actions and reminders to wake up to our lives. You can find those and your signed copy of the Yogi Triathlete Cookbook at yogitriathlete.com forward slash shop. This is the time, and we are the ones. No one is coming to save our planet or us. So let's wake up and live the life we were meant to live in the world we dream to see. This coming season, we'll be up in Mendocino for the 50K Ultra, and BJ is racing Oceanside 70.3, both in April. Then we'll be up in Santa Rosa for Ironman in May, possibly again for the 70.3. Let us know what you're racing this season. What are your goals? Let this community bring you the extra support and accountability to stay true to your visions. Like I mentioned in the podcast, this universe we live in is nothing more than a mathematical equation. We will get back what we put out there. Intention is everything. Thoughts are things. And everything we do in a moment is the precursor to what we're creating for our future. Stay awake and ready so that your most powerful, talented, intelligent, loving, and limitless self has the space and backing to unfold. <laughs>